Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I am being joined by John Hirschdick, who is the President SaaS Business at PTC, and he's also the founder of Onshape and SolidWorks. So, John, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for joining me today. Great to be here, Max. Thanks for having me. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today, but before we delve into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, would you mind giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself? Sure. I've spent my entire career, almost 40 years, building CAD, computer-aided design, and other software tools for product development. Basically, products today are built twice, manufactured products. They're built first in the computer and tools like the ones we make, and then they're built in the real world. So I work with the world's product developers, helping them build better products faster. That's why you're on today, because we want to be talking about global trends in innovation and entrepreneurship. And this is especially more of a precedent at the moment when we talk about what's been happening with COVID and the before effects and the after effects of where this innovation is going to go in the future. So I wanted to start the podcast by talking to you about what are the global trends in innovation have we seen so far this year, pre-COVID and since? Well, I'll focus more on since COVID. But you know, pre-COVID, I would say it was a world of ever-increasing pressure on product developers and innovators to deliver better products, more innovative products at lower cost and faster. With the added dimensions these days of energy efficiency, you know, green products, not just energy, but environmental impact becoming much more a concern and regulations becoming more a concern. And that's what product development, it's this relentless pressure to do faster, be more innovative, shorter times, lower costs, better results, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's the nature of things. Now, when COVID happened, what we've seen is Every industry in manufacturing, all of my customers have been disrupted in some way, you know, every one of them. So it's almost like everyone's had to turn into an innovator, into an entrepreneur, everyone. Because for some of our customers, COVID is a really bad thing. In some cases, their business disappears and they're out of business, which is very, very sad. Or they're laying people off, canceling projects. So that's a disruption, having to reorganize under under, um, bad conditions. In other customers, they're seeing big opportunity. The products they make are in high demand, but they're being disrupted too because all of a sudden the products they make, they may have pressure to produce at a dramatically higher or faster rate. They may have pressure to make certain changes in their products due to COVID, you know, and they may also face incredible demand for the same products, but have to rethink their supply chain for additional volume or because of obviously disruptions in shipping between countries or in some cases between locales or disruptions in the labor force. So the bottom line is no matter whether you're in the good part or the bad part of the world post-COVID, you're rethinking things and you have to be agile, fast moving and innovative at a much higher level. There's not really a blanket rule for how organizations are thriving. Some that you wouldn't expect to do well have found a nice little niche and carved themselves out a good little corner of the market. But from your standpoint, do you think that 
COVID has been an opportunity or an impediment for innovation in general? Well, COVID has been both an opportunity and an impediment to innovation at the same time. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's caused both to happen. It's sort of like shifting winds, you know, where there's, there's, we talk, our CEO at PTC talks about headwinds and tailwinds. And clearly, in some cases, it's an impediment and opportunity in the same company. I talked to a company recently that uses tools I've made, and they tell me that in some areas of their business, it's completely dried up. You know, it's a huge impediment. And in other areas, a huge opportunity where they're now jumping in and making some products that they never thought of making before. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to do, of course, with medical equipment and PPE. And so within a single company, it can be both an impediment and an opportunity. <laughs> which is kind of crazy situation. But I guess it comes down to how good a business is at adapting. And do you think that comes down to individual team members or overall leadership or just a general outlook of an organization to have that ability to be flexible in how they produce things in an organization? The premium is on resiliency and agility. So whereas I think pre-COVID, there was a huge premium on, say, you know, sometimes companies were leaders because they had optimized every bit of cost out, everything was running smoothly. Today, the watchwords are agility and resiliency of process, of people, of leadership, of supply chain, of the tools that they're using, which is where we come in, you know, that which has been for us, for me and our business in the SaaS business at PTC and particularly Onshape, the business I'm most involved in. We've seen a huge premium on some of our calling card key benefits that we offer. Companies are suddenly valued even higher because of COVID. Yeah, I think that's very true. And it'll be interesting to see how they adapt in a post-COVID world. If we look at a hypothetical situation here of when things return to some form of normalcy, what are your suggestions in terms of empowering those innovators in that post-COVID era? So I think. When we do get post-COVID, we have to boldly jump into the pool of innovation and entrepreneurship. We have to see sources of a capital be willing to jump in. We have to see people commit. We have to understand that there'll be enormous opportunities, I believe, post-COVID, because I believe so many industries are going to be rethought. And when it comes back, I think we're going to see a golden era of opportunity for innovators on the flip side of this. And by the way, I want to be clear, I'm talking about headwinds and tailwinds and pluses and minuses. It's a terrible thing for our world. And my heart goes out to people who I know whose lives have been touched by it, mm-hmm. whether it's through, you know, of course, medical problems, economic problems, whether it's you yourself or your immediate family or your friends in the community, elder care burdens, childcare burdens, people missing out on key events in life. There's so many huge negatives. And we all, whether it's affected you or I directly, Max, we all know somebody who it has affected close to us, you know, a friend, a neighbor, a family member. So the first thing is, let's be clear, you know, we can talk about it in a nice way in this business discussion, but it's a terrible, terrible thing. When we come out of it, though, I believe that so many industries are so disrupted. And it's not just for the obvious reasons, like, sure, you're going to say, well, restaurants will be different. 
you know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear, the world of medical devices and supply. And I'm involved in a nonprofit effort that sprung up immediately, and we produce mask systems that cover the full face based on a snorkel mask, actually. A swimming mask have been reconverted with medical filtration to a medical mask. And by the way, we've raised over $2 million and have shipped 30,000 of these reusable kits, probably protecting perhaps a million clinician days. So pretty exciting to see that, you know, just a, it's called masksonorg Love to get donations, keep us going in that mission, been pretty successful. But the point is, those are the obvious ones people think about. Okay, well, if you make medical masks and medical gear, you're going to need to innovate, make new devices. You will see new types of protective gear, new types of treatment gear, new types of machines to deal with vaccines. We'll see the whole supply chains in medicine rethought because no nation is going to say, I'm going to depend completely on another nation to supply me because in a global pandemic, nations take care of themselves first and everyone's going to want to see reshoring and so forth. I'm just trying to stay out of the politics of that. I'm not trying to read any particular political thing. It's just no matter what political party you're in, you're going to want to have resiliency in your ability. So that's that's the obvious one is medical. I think everyone would say to themselves, hearing me, okay, I get it. But then there's businesses like restaurants and food delivery. Then there's going to be obviously transportation. There's going to be changes in education. What's happened is in addition to the world being different post-COVID, there's another phenomenon I think that's going to drive innovation, Max, which is that COVID has forced us to innovate in certain ways. And and the genie's out of the bottle, as our CEO also said, and we're not going to go back. So in terms of remote learning, remote medicine, takeout food, those haven't just changed because post-COVID, the world will be more sensitive to those. Let's just say the disease were somehow eliminated post-COVID. We're not going to go back to the world before because we've had a taste of how fast we can move in product development, for example. It reminds me of that scene in Star Trek where they're like, hey, the ship's never gone. You know, the captain's like, push it faster, you know, and, and they're like, we've never gone warp nine before. And he's like, well, go try it. You know, we're desperate. And, and then it's like, captain, I don't know if we can do it. He pushes it to warp nine. And guess what? The ship can go warp nine. And once you've gone warp nine, you're not going to want to go warp eight anymore. And so, so having discovered the speed at which teams can work, having discovered some of the new ways like video meetings, so much. We were doing video meetings. I mean, you, you, and I'm assume you, me, we were doing video meetings all the time pre-COVID, but now we're doing so many more of them in so many situations. That's not going to go back totally to pre-COVID. So I think in addition to the obvious medical stuff, we're going to see people rethinking so many other industries and taking the situations they've been forced into during COVID and saying, hmm, some of these things we've had to try because of COVID are actually pretty good. Even if the COVID problem goes away, we're going to want to stick with that. You know, I think my kids, I have six kids and stepkids. I don't think they're going to go back to driving to the fast food place to get fast food. <laughs> they're going to be ordering on their phone. You know, that's not going to go away. And so anyway, lots of opportunity. I think of it as maybe something like, sadly, other sad events, the wars, hurricanes, major events, 9-11, 
you know, sometimes these awful events post it, sometimes there's innovation, space program, which wasn't a horrible event, but, you know, they're, they're big drivers of, of innovation. That's a long answer, but, you know, I think about this a lot. Yeah, I completely agree with you because we're seeing it touch every facet of our lives. You're 100% correct. The amount of people I interview or talk to where they don't have to travel to events anymore. And there's that kind of understanding of, oh, we can just have this kind of networking opportunity without doing much environmental damage. It can be done a lot easier and a lot safer for a lot of people. It's interesting how many elements it's touched and how different it's going to be. And especially for businesses going forward, you're right. We've seen such a uptake of cloud adoption as well and security protocols having to be implemented. You know, all of these facets of organizations are going to change. And it's interesting, isn't it? How, as you say, how quickly that switch gets flicked when it has to. Since you mentioned cloud, Max, can I just highlight something? Please do. You know, what's amazing to me is to see how well cloud and the internet have worked during COVID. It's worked so well that no one even really talks about how well it's working. It works that well. It's like, like if you had said to me, if we had talked six months ago, you said, John, imagine tomorrow everyone is home, everyone's video conferencing all day. What happens to the internet? You know, we, we would have at least asked, hey, would it hold up under that level of demand? Well, it's not only held up, but it's turned the world from thinking, well, what happens if the internet goes down? Now it's like, what happens if I'm stuck at home and I can't use the old computer and the installed software in the office? That's the problem people have. Cloud's working great. You know, mobile phones are working great. No one has said, hey, how do I use my mobile phone at home? You know, I mean, that's kind of obvious. So in that way, the cloud accepted is like the mobile phone now. It's just something that's there for you. The cloud tools have been a savior for teams that had to work at home. So if you're using a tool like my tool, like Onshape, or one of the many hundreds of modern SaaS business applications, you're all set. You work on any device anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. But in my industry, you may find this hard to believe. There's still tons of installed software and big computers sitting in people's offices, and they have a hard time using it in many cases. So it's really interesting to see how well cloud is working for the world right now. Completely. And I think that was organizations who had it as part of their agility plan or something down the road of being more cloud involved, whether they were going for a multi-cloud option or, or whatever their take was going to be. As you say, it's kind of pushed that hand a little bit of you need it. It was the same at the start with VPN adoptions. It was just something that had to be done. And then they had to find better methods to cope with demand because, as we know, it, it it's gone on longer than a lot of organization expected, especially when organizations were, especially here in the UK, forced in very, very quickly. I think that was the most amazing thing of how fast that remote working capability came about. Yeah, and it's also having a positive push on augmented reality. Mm. With our Vuforia solutions, you mentioned the UK, our PTC Vuforia products are the leading products in industrial augmented reality. Like we use cloud tools, we're desk job people, you and me, right? And we use tools like, you know, Zoom or Zoom, Skype, Microsoft Teams, whatever, Zencaster. I hope you don't mind me, you know, mentioning that. You know, we use tools like that, but the frontline worker in the factory, what do they use? Well, Vuforia, our AR product line, has allowed, I know in the UK, some great stories of reconfiguring manufacturing lines using augmented reality to transfer knowledge 
and IoT, Internet of Things technology, our ThingWorks product line lets people monitor equipment remotely, all of a sudden big premium on those things for the manufacturing worker. We can kind of bring those cloud benefits to them. And as you say, it comes back to that uh, Scotty in the control panel. They're not going to go back to how it was before. It's easier. It just makes a lot more sense. It's interesting that element with what you've mentioned a couple of items that Onshape have been kind of working on. Are there any other projects that have kind of been exciting you personally that you use in, and been able to work on? Yes. In addition to the masks project, we set up a COVID support program offering free access to our most powerful products, typically products that would be thousands of dollars a user per year and free support services, which are just as valuable, consulting and advice. We've done, I think, about 100 projects that we've supported in that way directly. And of course, thousands more that use our tools without telling us. But there was a great project called the Rise Ventilator. It was developed in about, I think, three weeks from concept to production. And beautiful design, really wonderfully done. That's a great story. There's a ventilator team down in Latin America. There's a a story out. It's been received quite a bit of PR. It's in a university hospital consortium developed in South America because you can't just take the products of the United States and send them to another country. Sometimes you need localized design. So I love seeing that. I love seeing our tools being used by people in areas that in some ways need them more than we do here in the UK or the US, although certainly COVID has uncovered our own weaknesses. But that's been wonderful to see. So ventilators, personal protective gear, machinery that is supporting testing and search for vaccine is another area I've seen our customers working on. Very, very rewarding to us. I mean, we don't make those machines, but we give the people who do make them the tools to do it better. And that's so rewarding to us. I was going to say the reward that must come from that must be fantastic. So uh, yeah, that's a great service to offer. I've got one kind of final wrap-up question here. I wanted to get your perspective of what kind of support do you think entrepreneurs need at this time, in this moment? I think entrepreneurs need to be told that there's going to be sunshine after the storm for them. I talked to an investor the other day. He's going full blast, investing away right now. I think what entrepreneurs need right now is encouragement and support to stay on target that maybe they have to slow down their ambitions right now, but the sunny days will come for them. And in this kind of world, it's hard to feel that way. And they need to be told, hey, you can be an entrepreneur. You can stick with your work now. You can look ahead to the better days to come for the work you do now, or perhaps better days to start your business in the future. But stay an entrepreneur, stay the course through this COVID storm. We definitely need people like that to kind of lead the charge and lead that change that we're seeing. So I couldn't agree more. And uh, I hope a lot of people take on that advice. John, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you could let people know the best kind of links, if they want to find out more information or projects that you're working on, that'd be great. Yes, you can find us at ptc.com. That's that's P as in Paul, T as in Thomas, C as in Christopher.com or onshape.com. That's on and shape, one word. Those are two of the sites that you can find out more. And Max, thank you so much for having me.
Of course, John. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We hope you took a lot away from it. Please follow up those links and find out more information on what we've discussed today. We'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Experts series. In the meantime, you can join the conversation at Ian360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content of videos, podcasts, white papers, and articles, head on over to em360tech.com. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.